0: Welcome to Business Done Differently, the podcast about challenging the status quo, creating fans first, and changing the game in business. I'm your host, Jesse Cole, and it's showtime. Today, we welcome back our first return guest, Chef Hikin, back from Season 1, Episode 120. He is the customer experience guru. Since we spoke, he's launched Convenience Revolution and the newest edition of The Cult of the Customer. He's always looking at business done differently, and I'm honored to consider him a mentor and a friend. Shep, my man, welcome back. Hey man, great to be back. You know, any place that'll take me back, I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad nothing's happened in the world since we spoke two years ago. It's been a, you know, really yeah. just normal business. Boring. Yeah, boring business. But I want to fast forward, Shep, with you to start. I want to fast forward well into 2021. What are businesses doing differently and better with customer experience because of maybe the challenges they went through in 2020? What do you see in the future? Okay, that's a great question. Nobody's ever posted to me that way.
1: So let me tell you what happened this year to give you an idea of what could have happened, not in 2021, but in 2024, maybe 2025. We have been forced into the future. And by that, all of the technology, the changes, everybody doing Zoom meetings, doing virtual cashless systems for payment, all of that was already there. And some companies were trying to be forward-thinking and trying to push it onto their customers, and some of the customers totally enjoyed it. But what happened is COVID-19 and the pandemic forced it to be implemented. So there wasn't so much innovation happening. It was the adoption of existing innovation in technology. Now, what's going to happen by next year at this time is you're going to see what has been causing some customers stress there's been a learning curve on how to live this way, it's going to be normal. And what's really cool, I believe, is that, let me just talk about my business for a moment just to give it as an example. I'm a professional speaker and that's a big chunk of my income. Even though I'm known as a service and experience expert, all my research is there. The way I make money with it is getting on stage in front of thousands of people and presenting about it. Well, starting, I guess, mid-March, that was, I haven't done a live presentation, okay? I predict that by this time next year, which is 2021, people start doing more live events. If you're lucky, next year you'll see, Jesse, when your team takes the field, the stands will be filled with people. But it's not going to happen this year. It's probably not even going to happen in January or February. By the end of the year, I think, and by 2022, I'm hoping everything's back to normal. But what's really cool Is that the technologies that we have adapted because of the forced change we're going to make are going to become the things that are incorporated into the way we used to do business as well? So I actually think we have a great opportunity. So 2022 rolls around. I'm probably going to be back to a schedule similar to I had in 2019 as far as live presentations, online virtual type events. I did maybe 15 a year for the last 10 years, webinars. Fireside chats, whatever, I'm going to still be doing 15, but it'll be 15 a quarter, maybe 15 every couple of months, in addition to my speaking schedule. So the companies that figure out the changes that they needed to make this year during the pandemic, they will become better off because so many changes that were made are not going back. You know, I ask clients all the time, what major change did you made that you had to make that you're going to keep permanent? And I think that's a good question for all the different businesses that are out there. We can learn a
0: lot from that. What have you been seeing? So what are some of those businesses that they're coming up with these temporary things that are now part of their, maybe customer experience strategy or part of their overall product? Well, part of
1: it is, you know, and I believe what happens on the inside of an organization is felt on the outside, is taking, for the example, the customer service industry, which is call centers, support centers, whatever you want to call them. You know, I was talking to an executive in charge of 62 support centers around the world. He had 60,000 employees employed in 62 support centers. And that was at the beginning of March. And by the middle of March, every one of them had been told to go home. Now, they already had about maybe 15, 20% working from home. So they knew a little bit about how to do it, but they never thought they'd have to deploy the other 80%. And these are people in countries that don't necessarily have the infrastructure to give them the internet they need to be able to stream calls. And so what they did is they learned, they adapted, and he told me within one week, we mobilized the entire force. Didn't Mm -hmm. lose anybody. What's gonna happen when he comes back? He's shutting down 25% of his support centers. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean they're losing employees. You're just gonna let them keep working from home. They figured out different ways to keep everybody engaged. The personalities that are needed for that type of work. And I think that what happens, you see these changes, you go, you know what, it could be good. I feel bad for the commercial real estate industry, for the people that own office buildings right now. Yeah. Okay. Because there's a number of companies that said, this whole virtual thing works really, really well. And <laughs> sports, what change did you make? I yeah. mean, I know you told me an amazing story, but you said basically, as far as professional sports teams, you had more people at your venue than anywhere else. And you did it right.
0: Yeah. But that's only safe. Yeah. Well, I appreciate I think what we've learned is, Yes, the pandemic rushed businesses almost out of business, but when you're at your best is when you should be innovating the most, not when you have to. And so we were thinking, how can we put ourselves out of business? And if you watch, Shep, I mean, every live sports team for the first half of 2020 was shut down. There was no revenue. How do you become a 24-7, 365 brand that can always be there for your customers, your fans, your guests? And think about the live sports entertainment business. You may have 30 games, 40 games. NFL, you play eight games. College football, you may pay 10 games. We had 30-game schedule. was nine eighty ninety percent 90% of our revenue. So then the big aha moment came for us is like, well, what would a 24-7, 365 brand be? And so for us now, it's like, all right, how can you eat, drink, and experience Bananas 24-7? So the first thing we did was we launched Bananas Netflix. And so we brought in a whole video team to start doing documentary shows, et cetera, starting mm-hmm. that. Then we actually started launching our Savannah Banana Cream Soda, our Savannah Banana Beer, our Savannah Banana Slippery Banana Alcoholic Drink, which we did drive-throughs during the pandemic to have people be able to come. Which drive-through for alcohol is just a whole nother game. Uh, I <laughs> yeah, yeah, tell time. you not to drink and drive.
1: Uh, yeah, drink, and just pick drink it up and then hopefully yeah. when you get home. But uh, yeah. uh, if you hit a bump, you spill the drink.
0: I yeah. think is what the problem is. Just no, <laughs> sure.
2: kidding! I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh,
0: but in going into convenience revolution. And what you talked about, which I was fascinated, it's that access, it's that opportunity for subscription, it's the opportunity for self-service delivery, all of that, you wrote that before the pandemic, it yep. is so relevant now. And so we realized that, and I want to kind of maybe dive in there, how does that fit with everything that's going on right now, the convenience and how important it is? Right. So let's go back
1: two years ago, exactly two years ago, the book came out, really almost to the day that we're talking today. Wow. And I wrote that book because I believe that customer experience can be elevated with convenience. You know, being nice to customers, giving them a good experience, but if you can make it convenient, that takes it to the next level. Mm -hmm. And if you can do that, it helps bulletproof you from your competition. Guess what? Convenience is no longer an option. It's now table stakes. If you don't have convenience, chances are, I mean, think about it. The fifth convenience principle is delivery, taking it to your customer. Yes. Car dealership that i have done business with for 25 years was literally, it's so convenient. That's why I, I, number one, they had the car I wanted. Okay. They have like eight brands. They represent eight manufacturers at this huge complex. It's less than a half a mile from my office. So if I had to drop my car off, I would just walk to work if they didn't have a loaner for me, right? Not a big deal. Well, I'm driving around one day and I see a car in the window. My wife says, that's the car I want you to look at. Well, we're like at a dealership that's 40 minutes from my home, okay? Maybe not quite that far, but in traffic, definitely. And so I said, okay, let's look at it. And the first thing I said to the salesperson, I'm just looking. Looking, exactly. And I told him why. I said, you're too far away. He goes, look around. Do you see a waiting room anywhere? I don't see a waiting room. Well, we have one. It's just very small (laughs) and that not many people use it because when you buy a car from us, we deliver it to you. And then whenever you need service, we pick it up. We leave you a brand new demonstrator. Mm. And I go, oh, that's pretty cool. He goes, well, sure it is because we want you to buy that car. And guess what? (laughs) By the way, one day he dropped off as a demonstrator for me to use. And by the way, even if it's just an oil change, they'll do this. He dropped off the station wagon that they had, and my wife fell in love with it, and we bought it. <laughs> it worked. <laughs> so, so, they got you right where they wanted you. They got it. But the reason I chose the new business with him is because he was more convenient. And this is what he said. He was so confident. He goes, you know, I'm pretty sure our price is going to be competitive with where you used to buy your car, because I used to work there. I pretty much charge the same thing. But I believe that this level of service we give is, can't be matched. And so he goes, I'm writing up the deal. If you are serious about buying the car, come back, but take the deal and go shop it anywhere you want, you know. Mm. So I thought that was pretty cool. And what happened is I went back to him, and guess what? Throughout the pandemic, I kept seeing commercials, you know, everybody shut down, quarantine. We will bring the car to you so you can try it out, test it. I'm going, Oh, I've done that. But the point is, is now everybody's doing it. So what can we do next? And I have a feeling I know what's next. That's big for every business. We've already had personalization. We know what that is. Personalization is when you make the customer feel like you know who they are. Mm -hmm. And I believe there's three levels of personalization. By the way, I've written about this, but not written about this in today's world. I wrote about it in last year's world. Mm -hmm. Okay. Which was so last year. Which was, <laughs> <laughs> by the way, it's like there's a BC and AD and all that. I think it's going to be BC is before Corona or <laughs> COVID 19 yeah. and then, you know, AC or whatever. What happens in personalization, you have mass personalization. And that way you can, I like to think of it as Nike who recognizes that I only buy like running shoes, I don't buy basketball shoes. Mm -hmm. So when they start sending me information, they don't send me information about basketball shoes. Mm -hmm. They know what I want. That's mass personalization. And actually, there's big data and there's, you know, little data and then there's micro data. And I think mass personalization comes from big data. Mm -hmm. Big data allows you to see trends, shifts in the marketplace. Little data is now you're getting closer to understanding what the customer wants, okay? Mm -hmm. And so we shift into what I just referred to with Nike. But then there's micro data. And that is where I treat you like the individual who you are. Mm -hmm. You're not an account number. You're not in a bucket with a bunch of other customers. You are you. And I know that the last time you were here, you ordered lemonade, but you liked a lot of ice. Mm -hmm. So I make sure I remember that. And I ask you, hey, you want like the last time you want more ice? Wow, he remembers me. If I'm that lemonade salesperson, I just made this emotional connection and you're going to want to love doing business with me. Now, I believe that personalization was a great strategy pre-pandemic and still is today. But I believe that more and more companies, if they would adopt the micro personalization, if they can figure out ways to do that, and they can, and I'll explain how in just a moment. Now you've got great service layered on with convenience, which is no longer an option to differentiate you. What's now going to differentiate you is the micro experience they have with you. That comes from, I know who you are. I've created this connection. I have empathy for you. Empathy is a big word. We've always been using it, but it is more important than ever. And I believe that customers love the uh, empathetic experience, okay, which is part of the micro personalization. Mm -hmm. So if I can remember who you are, I know who you are. I can market to you the way you wanna be marketed to and sell you what you want and I can feel for you, Mm. we win. You've got that emotional connection. So I've got a new book coming out a year from now and it's all about getting customers to come back. Mm. And I believe that word empathy is important, that personalization. And that's one way that you will get your customer to come back because as soon as you have that connection, and repeat business is different than loyal business, but loyal business comes, from that connection. Repeat business comes from a, oh, you're more convenient. I haven't seen anybody else that sells what you do, but maybe if I do, I might consider them loyalty. And that takes repeat business to the next level. It's
0: like repeat business on steroids. All right. We're going to unpack here, Chef. So just get ready. I know. I've, given you,
1: I've given you a lot. I've just like, I've spilled it out.
0: Congrats. All right. Well, I'm feeling it. So the first one is was thinking about convenience, it's very hard to out Amazon, Amazon. I would argue that Amazon might know me better than my wife, Emily. Like, it's like, oh, Jesse, you'd want this. Like, you're right. I do want this right now. You know exactly what I want when I want. And then they deliver it faster than anyone else. So, speed Mm -hmm. is very, very difficult. But personalization, you know, I think about that. There's a restaurant I go to with my son and Tybee. And whenever I get there, they know exactly what I want. They have it ready, it's prepared, and it's just a nice touch. But it's because I've gone there so many, so many times. To develop this micro personalization, I think there's a huge way to stand out here. But it takes a lot of work, a lot of technology, and a lot of data to do it. So I'm thinking about for right. our, our team. So, you know, we have 100,000 tickets of fans that come during the games during just the summer, all right? Now, we have an idea of when they buy, when they show up, but it's almost tracking, kind of like the Disney Magic Band to mm-hmm. know exactly what they buy, when they buy are there companies, other examples of companies doing that that don't have the tremendous resources? How can you do it differently to find out this right. Of personalization? Right, first of all, so much of what
1: I talk about, people say, well, that depends on the people you hire remembering who came in. Well, yeah, some of it does. Yes. But how about this? If you walk in and I say, have you been here before? Yeah, you don't remember me? I'm so sorry. Give me your name. And I've got my mobile apparatus or I've got a computer in front of me. But as soon as I pull you up, in the computer. I know exactly who you are because yeah. your buying history is there. So you don't have to spend a lot of money to give that micro personalization. You could just have a good database, a CRM, or you can simply train your people to ask the right questions there you go. so they can yeah. connect at that level. So give okay. some examples of some questions. Oh, wow. So you can say, hey, it's good to see you. You've been here before. You're, I'm see, here to see the bananas. You got the banana hat on. How many games a season do you go to? Yeah. Okay. And just start to ask questions and pick up cues. You know, hey, you've got three kids. Do you guys play sports? You play baseball, you know? Are you baseball? You start to connect. You just train people to build the relationship, to build rapport. And rapport starts to create that micro-personalization. So the reason people wanted to go to Cheers in the 1980s, the sitcom, is because everybody what? Everybody knows your your name. name. Yeah, know their name. That's what the theme song is. And you don't necessarily have to know their name the first time they walk in, but you got to make them feel like you do. 100%.
0: I, you know, so, I love it. You know, think about chef, you think about it. Most places well, that do well, restaurants, hospitality, they always have a name tag. They may have some fun fact about them, which we do. Right. But what if all your customers have, you know, it makes life so much easier. You know, you think about Carnival Cruise and they have their name on it when they put their thing on it, or, you know, you ask those questions, the Ritz Carlton, you know, they see a name on the luggage tag, they tell someone else and they say, welcome. Right. To There's well, clues. Yes. Pick up on the clues. Yes. All right. I love this. So you said your next step, you're going to go into empathy, but I still want to say, Shep, you're always seven steps ahead. Let's stay on convenience for one second. Okay. I, I want to I dive... Squirrel, with-
1: squirrel. There's squirrel. another
0: one. <laughs> We're both creators. The guys, people listen, they're like, where are they going to go next? We're like, we don't know. We're just going to see where it goes. <laughs> no, reduce friction, self-service, subscription, delivery access. Obviously, subscription is starting to take over. We even started doing it this summer. Where does that get to being too much? Is there ways to stand out with subscription and customer experience? And maybe some other examples of other companies that we don't, you know, not the normal ones like the Netflix. Right, right. So subscription, you used to think magazine newspapers. Yes. And obviously it
1: shifted into now I pay a monthly fee for something. Yes. Okay. And Netflix is an example of a monthly fee. Amazon Prime, people call that a subscription model. No, it's not. That's a membership model. But within the membership, of the subscription there is subscription cuz you can subscribe to your consumables and Amazon will automatically deliver to you yes. every time you need them but think about it who would have ever thought razor blades would become a subscription <laughs> model you know i'm a member of the dollar shave club and every month i get my four fresh razor blades so once a week i can swap them out you need you it know? for the head man you need it for your head exactly i actually that's why they barely last a week cuz i've got a lot more real estate to go. <laughs> <laughs> but The automobile manufacturers have said, hey, let's let people subscribe to our brand, not necessarily buy the car, lease the car. Now, the difference is if you subscribe to a car, that's pretty much a lease or a rental. But if you subscribe to the brand, that means that I can come in and drive a Porsche convertible today, swap it out for the Cayenne SUV the next day, Go back to the four-door sedan because I'm going to be taking a, another couple out the third day, and I can do this every day as long as I am a subscription member of the brand. Yes. And that's what automobile manufacturers are playing with right now. And I've got a theory that's not going to work. What will work in that industry is when you have a dealership that represents five or six different brands. So there's here in St. Louis, we've got Plaza Motors, and Plaza has Mercedes, Lexus. Range Rover, Porsche, Audi, Cadillac, I think there's nine or ten different brands they have. And I could subscribe to that dealerships group of brands, then I think it widens it a little bit. But anyway, I digress. You can have subscription to almost every business. Here's what it does: recurring revenue for the company that provides a subscription, and investors, shareholders, or owners love that for the customer. It's a guaranteed something's going to happen. It's like my software. I know that I subscribe to Microsoft Software and a number of other software applications, and they're going to keep the software going for me. I'm going to get the updates all the time. I just subscribe, and they automatically do things. I used to buy a CD and a box, put it in there, and see how many years I could hold out before I had to buy the next upgrade. Yes, <laughs> exactly. exactly. And so you've got a subscription with tickets? Yeah. You know, there might be special functions and features that you have that allow certain fans to have a different experience if they choose to subscribe to that. Yeah.
0: Well, I mean, I'm all in on, I think, the all-inclusive model moving forward. And I think as I've mm-hmm. shared with you, every single ticket in our ballpark is all-inclusive. Yeah. I don't believe anyone else wants to keep pulling money out of their pocket, going to a ballpark, or going anywhere else. It's the idea of including everything. And I think that's really where- Just the- how many hot dogs can I eat? I want to rip these people <laughs> off. They can't <laughs> do it if we do it right. Well, the best customer experience is when your customers feel like they're taking advantage of you. Yep. And I love it when people say like, oh, I'm going to get three hot dogs, two burgers, two chicken sandwiches. Well, good luck, sir. But if they feel like they're taking advantage of you, then the value play is so much different. Chef, before we came into Savannah, there was a professional team. And the first night I came to inspect, to do research, I walked up to the gate and they said, do you have any toiletry items? And I go, excuse me? They're like, if you have any toiletry items, it's a free ticket. And I was like, if I bring a toilet paper, it's a free ticket. They said, yeah. And I said, no, I don't. They're like, all right, it's five bucks. And then I realized Tuesday was buy one, get one free. It was discount, discount, discount. We went the opposite and went a higher price, but provided the value. And I look at all these businesses now, you're talking about convenience. You're talking Mm -hmm. about creating a cult of amazement. It's how can you include as much as possible so you don't feel like you keep getting those extra charges. I mean, legal fees, ship. 15 minutes for an email, you know, 15-minute email costs you $200. It's like right. adding on, adding on. No one likes that. That is what you would say one of the biggest ways to create convenience is reduce friction. And that's yep. why subscription and all-inclusive comes into play. Yeah, I love it. Even when
1: in my business, we found clients, hey, I'm going to do a flat travel buyout. So you don't have to worry about where I'm coming from. If I'm flying coach, first class, if my ticket gets changed 17 times, you don't have to see change fees flat fee,
0: don't worry about it. And they love that. Well, simplify. How can you simplify and eliminate decisions? So bringing this all together and really what I'm thinking more about is the future of customer experience. And I think we've jumped all around it. Personalization, empathy, convenience. Where else do you see it? In the last, you did an update of of, of customer, talked about the cult of amazement. What are some of the things that you're seeing now that's like, hey, one thing we should lean in on as a company, there's so many ideas, but where should we lean on to give a customer experience, simplify it and make it better? All right. So by the way, simple does not mean easy. Simplify. is so hard to simplify.
1: You said something earlier, so you can't out Amazon, Amazon, but you know what you can do? You can say, what is it about Amazon that I love? Mm. And we'll make a list of those attributes. And by the way, what I would do is I would sit down with your team and say, give me your favorite companies, not just Amazon, but Amazon should be on the list. Okay. Because everybody loves Amazon. Is there a restaurant? Is it a clothing store? Is it a manufacturer that sells B2B? Doesn't matter. What is it that they're doing that you like? Why do you do business with them? List everything out and then say, okay, a lot of this we could never do in our business because that's just not the kind of business we're in. But there's got to be certain things they're doing that we want our customers to say the same thing about us. And then Start to shift those ideas to work for you because many of those ideas that you love about other companies and put your customer hat on for a moment. I look at the yellow hat. That's not the customer hat.
0: That's the banana hat. The crazy hat. Take right. it off and look like me. That's I got crazy. I got more hair than you. I'll tell you that, Chef. Hey, I love this. Actually, I want to lean in on this. Give me a favorite company of yours. I know it's tough. We have lots of clients. I understand, but give me a favorite company of yours. An example, because this parallel thinking, I think, is so huge.
1: Yeah. So I mean, it doesn't have to be. There's so many different companies. Nobody's ever asked me what my favorite. Well, give one that
0: comes to mind. One that comes to yeah. mind. I love
1: Amazon. They're easy. Come on, come on, Chef. I'm yeah. going to call you out know, it's It's a, okay how about we're going to go with Pastoria, a restaurant that's right around the corner from where I live. Okay. Okay. I had no idea they knew who I was. I had no idea. And I go in there and I sit down and they just treat me so well. And I realized when the manager finally, after a number of visits, you know, came over and started talking to me, I realized they knew who I was and remembered me from the first time I came in. And I didn't realize they were treating me this way. Without even making a big deal out of it, it was just that's what we do with the customers who come in. Now that I know that it's a kind of a weird, different experience because I know, oh, they're treating me like they always treat me, which is
0: because they know me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they know what and, you talk about. But at first, they don't know you. It was right; they didn't know who I was. What, but what, what stood out? What stood out was
1: they asked me a question of something that I wanted, and I thought to myself. Either it's a coincidence, but why would they have asked me that question? You know, did I want it prepared a certain way? It's because they knew the last time that's the way I wanted it. But it's like they knew, hey, would you like it? So there's this one particular dish that I just love. It's like a bruschetta with the bread, the tomatoes, the cheese, and all that. And I like the way they drizzle the dressing, but my wife likes the dressing on the side. And they asked, would you like the dressing on the side? Hmm. Well, I don't realize they don't ask that to everybody. But they asked it to me because they remember the last time I was there. But they didn't say, hey, the last time you were here, Mm. you asked it. And I thought, wow. So it's like they snuck up on me. Mm. They gave me the great experience without even me knowing just how great it really was. Yes, I think that's pretty cool. So So what are the questions about a customer that you can answer that you don't have to ask the customer every single time they come in? Mm. So it's always the questions. It starts with the question. It, It always comes back to that. And that's a customer-focused mindset. You go back to the customer, you look at them, and it's like, what is it about them? It's not about me. Yes. So many companies are putting automation systems in because it's more convenient to them not to have to answer your simple questions. Yes. And you can't automate the relationship. So there needs to be a real easy, seamless transfer to a human when the automation causes frustration. Mm-hmm.
0: All right. I want to stay with this a little bit, and you got be thinking, you know, ask those questions what your favorite companies are, but make sure they're out of your industry. I mm-hmm. think the key is you know, yeah. line up, and, and that's the best parallel thinking. You take something from outside. We learned so much from the cruise line, and then like, you know, even just the last few months, Sweetwater, which is a, uh, not the beer. I love Sweetwater. Yeah, the equipment company, the music equipment, or the, the music beer. music company, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah look at
1: me. Hi, man. I got guitars. That, I actually, that guitar right there, the
0: blue Stratocaster yes. is from Sweetwater. I love it. And again, what was so interesting, I ordered a speaker for our stadium, immediately I got the thank you email. And then I get a call from David from, Hey Jesse, David from Sweetwater to thank you so much. Wasn't trying to sell me and then call me, right. thank you, which I love. Then he sent me a text. Thanking me let me know, Hey, we're shipping today. You'll get it. Then, Hey, you just got a text from him personalized from David. That's a personalization of every order. And right. that's in the, obviously we've been doing for a while. You call people and thank them for their order for buying. So chicken. it's a process. Yes.
1: yes. Don't mess with the process.
0: Yes. Yes. You know, as big as you get, keep doing those personalized things. I think that is so key. We love Amazon, but I don't know anyone that works at Amazon. I never talked to anyone that works at Amazon. But you know what?
1: Amazon's made you feel like they connected with you. Because they know what I want so much. Yeah, that's me. really hard to do. But even David from Sweetwater, yeah. that email that you were sent, even though it's from David, mm-hmm. he doesn't necessarily compose the total personalized email to you. Yeah. It's in the system and it's just it's time to send him an email. Maybe it's an automated thing, but it doesn't matter. It's the phone call that takes it to the next level. So it's so important. Sweetwater, great company, great role model. I had a chance to interview the CEO and owner of Sweetwater on my show. And if you get a chance, you should interview him.
0: Okay. Well, I'm sure they're doing great things when it gets all the way brought down to the beginning. All right. So you said that's a great way to think about the future of customer experiences. Bring your team in. That's one kind of way. Ask, hey, what are your favorite companies? Look at what they're doing. What else are other games or brainstorming or idea sessions to get your group to see customer experience in a different way for the future? Right. You think that you've so, done during your workshops. or
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's so standard, but it's so important. I can't believe the number of companies that know what it is and don't do it. Yeah. Journey mapping. Yes. I mean, you know, yeah. you know, Jesse, you know, every fan that comes in there, you know, every route they can take from the standpoint of the journey. They're going to, you know, there's this type of customer that just loves baseball. There's this type of customer that wants the whole experience with the food and the candy. And you know, all your different journeys that your different customers take. Every one of those interaction points at the top where the customer interacts with the company needs to be analyzed. And I mean, every one of them, is there something we can do to make it better? Mm. anything. And come back to it again and again. And I'll tell you why. Because a year from now, somebody may have seen something in another company that they could say, I know how to make that touch point better. They didn't have that knowledge today. So I want you to keep coming back to those journey maps. And you know what? Maybe you won't get that much out of it two or three or four times from now. But even if you can nuance the slightest
0: part of the experience, you've just made it better. And so it's mapping not only the different customers, but also mapping their full journey. Right. Their full journey. So you've got different customers
1: taking different. Journey. Your first time customer to your park and watching the team is going to be totally different than if they came back the 10th time. Yeah. Okay.
0: I want to keep going with the chef. So also experimenting. I am obsessed with experimentation and obviously with new products, new ideas, but also with the customer experience. And I want to talk a little bit about building a culture of experimentation, especially mm-hmm. with the CX. And to give you an example, Every year, we change the videos that they get when they buy a ticket order from us or merchandise from us. I mean, they're over the top, banana Nana's celebrating, our dance players celebrating. They're different. Invoices, we started changing those. So I'll share this with you. So this is an invoice that we just changed up this last week. Congrats. This is your day. The day you've been waiting for. Today is the day you get to pay. You may think you've had days like this, the day you bought your first house, the day you bought your first car, or maybe your first all-inclusive vacation. But nothing is quite like banana's payday. So pull out your money order, savings bond, rare coins, gold, cash, credit card, or check, and make that payment like we know you can. We believe in you. This is your moment. Now seize it. Your life will never be the same. Love, Jesse Cole. It's now time to sit back and relax, sip on a slipper banana. Your dreams are about to come true. I love that. And so so all right, invoices. And so we keep going. You know, invoices, the videos, the other things that we can do to experiment on those touch points. We've started experimenting, but I want to know what other things have you done to be able to get teams to experiment on those touch points? Because the future is not just a generic payment confirmation or a generic Mm -hmm. invoice. It is not that. It has to be, like you said, either personalized, unique, or fun. What have you seen? So I'm going to ask you a question. Who came up with that idea for the invoice? Well, the way we did it is we actually said our ticket team, who does the most of the invoices, because that's most of our revenue, we said, all right, guys, all write your own. And so he said, let's make it fun different. And everyone wrote their own. So Barry, our vice president tickets, he actually wrote a unique one based on uh, if you can beat the world record for most bananas eaten in a minute, the inverse, I'll rip it up and I'll pay for it myself. He says, the challenge is on. Show us you can do it. And so he made it a fun of a challenge. And then each one had their own thing. That was the one I wrote. And so we interact. Why do you ask? Well, the
1: reason I ask is because I call that innovation. It doesn't seem like innovation because innovation people think of as technology innovation. So, I have this concept called the moment of innovation. And it's ironic that you said, Hey, we want to get into cult of the customer if we have time, which is the reboot of a book I did 12 years ago. It's been rewritten, updated, stats, facts. We eliminated the guy who I quoted that is now in jail. We won't talk about him. So, (laughs) here is one of the exercises. You know, we have the moment of magic exercise, the moment of misery exercise. We have a moment of innovation exercise. And this is where we ask, every employee, every team member to write down something that they feel will improve. And then when I say improve, it's innovative in the sense it's not technology. It's like what would improve our company, improve the process, make service better, eliminate a step, cut down on an expense, make a green idea, a safety idea, any idea you can think of that would make it better for you as an employee or the customer, outside customer. What could it be? And you ask everybody to do this. Mm. And people are going to, like, their brains are going to be fried trying to come up with things. But then you start sharing. So people don't realize how innovative they are all of the time. By the way, you can say, I'd love a bigger wastebasket because twice a day I have to dump my waste out. Well, that's a moment of innovation. So how many employees do you have? Full-time 15. 15. So if you asked everybody to do this once a week, okay? Okay. 15 times 50 gives you 750 ideas.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Now, how many of those ideas you think are going to be good? Based on my own strategy of doing 10 a day for two years, so over 7,000 ideas, probably 6,800 are not that good ideas. Exactly. <laughs> About 20 of them might be good. <laughs> that's the point. Out
1: of 750, you get a dozen ideas, yes. 20 ideas. But you know what those ideas will do? They will take you to a complete level that's different than anybody else. So, Don Wainwright, he started Wainwright Industries, and they basically sell you know, like parts, metal components. They make dyes. I don't understand. It's a manufacturing business. And he had 150 employees, I believe, at the time he started doing this. And he asked every employee to submit one idea a week, and all of them had to do it. And at the end of the year, you can do the math. He had, I don't know, several thousand ideas. And there were only like a dozen of them or so that were really good. But when he started to listen and implement those dozen ideas, guess what happened? Now, this is predating like the J.D. Power Awards and all these awards for customer service. He won the Malcolm Baldrige Quality Award, which at the time was a huge, huge deal. And he did it because he improved based on what his employees told him
0: needed Mm -hmm. improving. And they took ownership in it. And I love this idea. that so We do Idea Paloozas, but I think framing it as a question, we learned that a little bit while you're talking about. What's one thing that you would do that to make it either improve the customer experience, you know, make it, what were the other things you said, improve it? What were the other? It's about
1: revenue, save money, make money, better experience, safety idea, green idea. Yeah, faster, more convenient. Any, fast, exactly. Phone. Anything works. And it's not about technology. And like my assistant, Claire, she said, hey, I've created this form. Mm. it's a moment of innovation. Yes. Oh, yeah, it is. Okay. And people are doing this every day and don't realize it. So here's the cool part. They go through pain usually for the first few weeks. A number of people will. And you help them and you coach them. And then they start recognizing. And all of a sudden, they're innovating all the time. They're thinking innovation. You it's know, pretty crazy.
0: I love it because it's definitely stretching people and we stretch people. And sometimes we've said, all right, everyone bring three ideas to an idea palooza. I remember one we did right before the season on how can we show baseball streaming in a different way? And we asked everyone to bring 10 ideas. You know, the first three or four, yeah, every, yeah 10 ideas. So we had 12 people in the meeting, 10 ideas, 120 ideas. And it stretched them because everyone has similar ideas the first three, four, five. But when you get to seven, eight, nine, ten, good luck. You're pushing it. Which yeah. is, and so I think I love this because in business done differently and what this theme is, it's CX and customer experience. We're always thinking, all right, do a better job for your customer. Make it more convenient. You know, create that cult of amazement. But really to do that, you have to create moments of innovation. You have to create new ideas. And what I think you have to do is the next step is you have to create experiments, Jeff Bezos said it best. Our success is solely based on the amount of experiments we do per year, per month, per week, per day. Trying new things all the time. So today, an article came out
1: about Walmart's new way of managing the store experience. And so they've created this new store. Now, what I love about what Walmart does, so I was asked to comment on it, and I said, Walmart's doing it because the customer seems to want it. but big butt. It may not drive bottom line revenue. To an example, Harvard Business Review wrote an article, I can't remember how many years ago, about Walmart and how they came up with these really cool futuristic looking stores with great lighting and the aisles were a little bit wider, not cluttered as much. And they asked their customers, what do you think of this new store? And they only did it in a couple of locations out of all their locations. They're smart. They didn't come up with an idea that they think would work and then do it everywhere. They said, we think it'll work." Let's try it out in a couple of stores. And let's get the feedback. Yeah. Feedback was amazing. Customers loved it. But you want to know what it did to the bottom line? Nothing. They still bought the same amount. They came back just as many times. It didn't bring in any new customers. It didn't lose any more customers. It just kept things the same. And they said, you know what? We probably shouldn't invest millions of dollars into every store if it's not going to move the needle. That's not what good businesses do. But what they did do is say, what could we change that won't cost much, that's going to keep us modern, keep us up to date with our competing retailers? Because at a certain point, if you just stay exactly the same, Mm. your competition, maybe people that weren't competition become competition, and then over time, you'll start playing catch up and keep up, not being the leader. So they come out with these all the new cashless systems And I believe that a lot of what they're doing is answering what's happening right now, but they're not saying, could things go back to the way they were? And if they were, is this going to still be relevant? Maybe they're saying that to themselves. Maybe not. I don't know. But I like the way they think. They're trying it out. They see if it works. If it moves the needle, they'll implement it everywhere.
0: I mean, every experiment, even though it didn't make money, they discovered new things. And that's right. the thing. You have to be willing to say, all right, I'm going to experiment. It might not make more money, more fans right away, but what will that make us be a better at, at? And there's yep. so much fear in that. So I want to get into some fun games to finish up. But before we get to that, Chef, on this experimenting notation, which is experimenting idea, what companies have you seen that have done some unique experiments with their customer experience? Some things that's like, hey, we're going to try this and it either worked or it didn't work. Wow. You, know, uh, you may stump me on this question. So this is the craziest
1: thing. I think one of the things that I've noticed in my business is that companies are turning from regular user conferences where they invite all their customers mm-hmm. to doing them virtual. Yes, That's an experiment. This whole seven months has been a major experiment of what works and what doesn't. And I'm fascinated. So I sat down with a client and they go, we just want to make ours different well, how do you make a Zoom meeting or something similar to that different? And I said, you know what? You want to do something crazy? You know, I know you've hired me to deliver a message. Let me do a magic trick during the middle of that. They go, oh, yeah. I said, because everybody's getting Zoom fatigue, what can we do to get rid of the fatigue? Let's put a little zip into it. What do you mean? Let me do a magic trick. You know I do magic. When I do my regular speech, one or two bits, it's kind of like me telling a story, I do a trick. I can do it on zoom. I said, you know what else you want to do? What? There's this great website. It's called cameo. Are you familiar with cameo? Yeah, hundred percent. Cameo is great. You can hire celebrities for really unbelievably low amounts of money to just give you a 20 second, 30 second, 60 second message. You know, Raymond. Everyone loves Raymond. Uh, his brother. What's his brother's name in that show? Oh, I know. You know, I know who I'm talking about? Everybody recognizes him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't believe I'm drawing a blank on that's his name. Voice. It doesn't matter. Yeah. But he's a very funny guy. So he gives samples of what he would do for you. He goes, hey, I'm so-and-so from Everybody Loves Raymond. But you wouldn't know that until I give you this dumb look and this voice. And he goes, <laughs> oh, that's great. If I was that guy right now, this is what I would be saying. It's hilarious. You can get You know, for my birthday, somebody sent me a Donald Trump impersonator talking about how, yeah, you're never getting into the White House. That's not going to (laughs) happen. And it doesn't matter whether I love Donald or don't like Donald, hate him, whatever. I just thought it was hilarious. So you've got a very serious meeting. You start to inject humor. That scares the executives. But you want to know what? The audience says they needed to do it. Steven Spielberg spends millions of dollars of special effects for a one scene sequence in a larger movie. Yeah. And here we are just doing these talking head Zoom presentations.
0: Yeah. How to so. make it fun. So, I mean, maybe an experiment for these companies, obviously you're seeing that, is A, if this is the way it always is, so as I say, whatever's normal, do the exact opposite. This is a yeah. normal Zoom, 45-minute message, mix in the fun. And Chef, the other day I had a virtual speech. In the middle, I had him do the second-inning stretch. So instead of, we do this at our ballpark, but we actually bring in a Richard Simmons impersonator and he starts, everybody get up, let's go shake those hips. And it's very, very weird. And you don't even have to know who Richard
1: Simmons is to laugh at that character. That theme, oh yes. So there's a generation out there that have no idea hundred yeah, percent. So but we, they laugh
0: at what this this crazy guy is out there doing that. and thrusting his hips and trying to get the crowd doing it. It's fun. So on the virtual call, I was like, all right, I'm going to try to get everybody up. So everyone's sitting at their home. They're on their computer. I was like, guys, it's time for the second inning stretch. And I played the Hey Baby song, which happens at our game. Hey, hey, baby. Ooh, yeah. ah. And literally all of them are kind of standing up, kind of begrudgingly, am I really doing this? But they got out of their element. And I think one of the big keys on delivering great customer experience Is we have to get uncomfortable a little bit. We have to try new things. We have to understand speed, friction points, access, delivery, Mm -hmm. everything you talk about. But we have to be willing to say, you know what? I don't know if this is going to work. Yep, and you know what? What's the worst that can happen? (laughs) You learn that it didn't work. (laughs) Exactly.
1: So, and by the way, the secret to making it not be a catastrophe is don't change everything. So, I'll give you an example. When I used to do my magic show back when I worked in nightclubs and all that. I had my five or six routines that I would do in that set. And I said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to try something new today. I didn't say I'm going to take all six routines out and replace it with six new ones. No, I took one out and kept the five that I knew would work, stuck it in the middle, and then I went back and analyzed. Did it work? Okay, I'm going to do it again. I'm going to move it to the end of the show and see if it's strong enough to close with you know, or whatever. And then once that one came, I pulled another one out, put something new in. So you're constantly fresh, innovating, trying new things. But you don't need to, like if next year somebody showed up at your ballpark and it was completely different, people would go, what the heck?
0: <laughs> well, yeah, you can't change everything. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But If but it like, works, it's great. But if it doesn't, you know. Well, you look at every band that goes on a live tour. Obviously, not much this past year. But when they go on a live tour, they have different set lists every night. Yet they still most of the times play their favorites. But they mm. move things around and experiment. What if I open with this? What if I close with this? The same thing It's interesting. Was, interesting. And the same thing with our promotions. We have 250 on-field promotions, but every night we do something we've never done in front of a live crowd ever. And Shep, I would say half the times they blow up in our face. People are like, what just happened? Like we've had some really bad promotions, but we learn, but a few of them become huge hits like toddlerography, where we have a little toddler teach the players how to dance and tutus. Like that was an experiment. And so it's part of that. So, all right, you got me going. I'm excited here. So I want to finish jam with some of these games here. So Let's go a second-inning stretch here. What is the best maybe attention-getting customer experience strategy? Like, what have you seen? Like, you know, I think about this past year when Panera launched Unlimited Coffee, and it Mm. created a ton of attention and actually increased revenue. What have you seen as an attention-getting CX strategy someone could do? Right. I've seen
1: pretty serious companies, a particular company in the banking industry decided to ask their customers to create wacky videos about their experiences. And I thought that was fun, and then they actually asked their employees to do the same thing, and they gave them teams and they gave them production time, and you know said, "Here's the tools you have to do this." So they made it fun. I thought that was a great way to engage customers and to so just ask, well if you only yeah. get two or five doesn't matter. just
0: ask, doesn't matter. Yeah. And so it's crazy. But other things that companies have done that But intention getting CX, like, so you've covered so many companies throughout all your books. Yeah. Some that's like, Ooh, I want to create some attention. You know, again, you mentioned using fans or using your customers to create what else? So I think humor, anytime humor is used the right way. And I
1: mentioned them earlier, Dollar Shave Club. How did they get put on the map? Because the owner of Dollar Shave Club was wacky. Yes. You know? I love it. And he created these crazy, I would say borderline R-rated commercials because he had, he used And here's the other thing. He couldn't afford to put them on national TV. So he goes to the one place that you can put video for the world to see at no charge. It's called YouTube. Yes. Okay. So I love it when people come up with, I mean, social media has been amazing. And when you put humor in there and it becomes viral, that's what happens. Yeah, create some tension.
0: I love it. All right, let's go to Sing in the Blank. All right, Shep, I don't think we did this last time, okay? Sing in the Blank. Yes, it's a game, all right? So it's Sing in the Blank. I play a song. When that song finishes, you finish that song lyric. It's something we do at our ballpark with 4,000 fans, all right? Okay. All right. So, and it's fitting to what we're talking about, all right? I think you will know the song. So here we go.
2: I can open your eyes. Take you wonder by one. Over,
1: sideways,
2: under, on a magic
0: carpet ride. You
1: want moments of magic? <laughs> then come my way, because I'll blow you
0: away with the experience you will get. <laughs> you literally just created your own lyric. So instead of saying, what song was that, Shep? Uh That was from Aladdin. Yes. Uh, yeah. A Whole New World. And you just made your own lyrics. That's where you went with that. (laughs) Yep, I may have done that a hundred times over the four seasons, and no one's ever created their own lyrics like that. So you have thrown some... what was it? I thought that's
1: what you wanted me to do. No,
0: you were actually supposed to just finish the normal song lyrics. Oh, finish the normal
1: song lyrics. Oh, okay. I'm sorry.
0: This is great. It's usually part of... I thought I was supposed to make up my own. Yep, this makes me so happy. Uh, This is part of usually a truth and dare. So you just took the dare, and you absolutely (laughs) won that. So I'm going to go to a truth here, all right? What is something that you've done over all your years that maybe has been a customer experience fail that you've
1: learned from? So, gosh, I had this idea and I learned very, very quickly. I was pretty good at creating videos. This is a long time ago. My cousin said to me, hey, I make computers. I know how to make a computer. It's real easy to do. There's really seven things you have to buy at the computer store and you can assemble your own computers. By the way, at the time, computers were more expensive than they are today. He says, why don't we create this video that teaches people how to build a computer? And we'll make a gazillion dollars on this video. And total failure for two reasons. Number one, I probably should have done more market research. But number two, that's not what I do for a living. I should stay in your lane, you know? And I think you've done an amazing job of, you know, all the innovation and things you've done, you've not gone outside of what the main focus of what you do is. Yeah. You know, at the end of the day, you're a sports team creating entertainment for your fans.
0: Yeah. We're a circus baseball team.
1: <laughs> yeah, whatever you want to call it. but It's all about the entertainment
0: for the fans. You haven't deviated from that, have you? No. And you've stayed as customer experience, customer yep. experience, customer experience. And so whenever you get too far, so there's experiments, but experiment in your lane. And yeah. Like, go hey, we've experimented. I
1: can't wait to see what's going to happen for customer service week. I've decided I've got a live stream every morning and with a guy who you and I, it would be a caffeine jolt. He's a great guy, Jim Ronbeck. He's a great guy. And he said, every morning I want to have like a 10 minute interview with you. What should we call it? I go, call it the customer service, we jolt. You don't need a cup of coffee after you hear this, you know? <laughs> so we came up with that. And then my buddy, James Dodkins, have you had James on the I have the show? not had James, now. Do you know who he is? No, I don't. Okay, you gotta know this guy. Okay. He is the CX rock star, and literally, he was a rock star. traveled around the world in a band with long hair, you know, with his guitar. And he takes ideas, you know, the music is a metaphor for the CX strategies. He's fun. So I said, James, you and I are going to do a live stream on customer service week. Let's do it on Monday. And you know what? If it goes well, we'll do another one on Tuesday. I blocked out noon for the whole week. Maybe we'll just do it three times, whatever. And he goes, what are we going to talk about? I said, that's the beautiful thing. We're not going to plan about it. We're just going to talk about it. Let's see what happens. You know, we're walking the tightrope without a neck or a neck, excuse me, a neck. Break my neck if I fall off the (laughs) rope. Okay. But that's, that's what we're doing. It's an experimentation. Yeah. And what's happened? Have you already done it or
0: not? No, it's a customer service week. I love it. All right. You talk about staying in your lane, personal habits. What are other great habits that you've had that helped you in your career? Well, I believe, so
1: discipline is real important. When I was a kid, I had these jobs, like I worked on a towboat. If you don't do the right thing, you die. You can die on that towboat. And my job was pretty simple. I had to paint the boat and clean the boat. But if the boat's going on the water and you don't have, you know, anyway, I learned about discipline and the disciplined approach that I have to like my social media marketing. I have a very disciplined approach that Monday we do this, Tuesday we do that, Wednesday we do that, we release different things. Mm. So it's the habits and the disciplines that we create. And I think that, you know, I can give you examples of all of these personal disciplines. I know that when I do a speech, I need to know three things. I need to know the audience, I need to know the content. I know it so well, I don't need slides. I don't need notes. I know it that well. I know the audience, so I know that the content is perfect for the audience. And number three, I know myself. And the ritual is in bed by 10, no matter what, the night before a speech. So when the client says, hey, do you want to go out and have a great dinner? What time are you going? 8.30. Tell you what, I'll come for an appetizer, but I've got to be in bed by 10. Why? I go, because you want me fresh tomorrow morning. I know what I need sleep wise, you've got to know yourself. And so those are the types of rituals that I think about and do all
0: the time. I love it. I love it. Consistency. All right. We talked a lot about questions earlier. You know, some of the best questions that you're asking in regards to people having a better customer experience moving forward. We talked about, you know, the examples of favorite companies and asking questions on how to get better, but what are some questions that you ask a lot to someone? To sure. Try? So everybody has metrics. Somebody said,
1: Peter Drucker, whomever said, you can't manage what you don't measure. So they're looking at, you know, what are our NPS scores, net promoter scores? What are our customer SAT scores? What is this score? What's that? So I always like to know why you gave me that score. If you didn't give me a perfect 10, I'm not going to ask you what would it take to get to a perfect 10, but I would ask you what would it take to get one number better? Hmm. Okay, that's an insight because it might be a little thing that happened. My favorite question to ask is, And I ask this all the time of my clients that don't even know I'm asking it because I don't base it on a survey. But if I get a perfect 10 on a survey, I want to know is there one thing you can think of that would have made the experience better? Okay. So I can ask that without knowing what they thought. You know, hey, Shep, you did a great speech last week. Oh, thanks so much. Hey, I know you worked with us and I hope it was a great experience. Can you think of one thing that would have made it even better? Mm -hmm. And I love that. Now, if I'm in the process of wanting to get the business, One of my favorite questions to ask, and I call it the magic question, is if we were to get together a year from now, and by the way, this is based on Dan Sullivan, my strategic coach, and I just tweaked it a bit for me. If we were to get together a year from now, what would have had to have happened for you to feel that investing in me as a speaker was the best speaker decision you ever made? Mm -hmm. Because they hire lots of speakers over the years. And I love that question because two or three things happen. For sure, two things. Number one, If they answer it the right way, they've just given me success criteria. Mm. Number two, I've asked them to think what it would be like a year from now after they hired me, which means they're thinking about what it would be like if they hired me, Mm
0: -hmm. which gets me closer to actually getting hired. And it gives them action steps. It's actually not just listen. They got to get action steps. Your speech has to generate action. And if it generates action, then they are where they want to be. And I love that. And we just finished our three-year vision and have some big, big aspirations. But that is what we are following, our destination, just like they would follow with you. All right. So we'll finish here with these final two. You know, I like to get crazy and think differently. Obviously, the future of customer experience. But one thing that's led us with everything is just flat out going bananas. And I want to ask you, what does going bananas mean to you? Wow. So I'll tell you what going
1: bananas is right now, because this is what I'm thinking. of. And sometimes we get wacky. I have this new book coming out and I have reached out to one of the most recognizable celebrities on earth. Okay. And I can't tell you what it is until he says yes. Okay. And I've asked him to give me the book blurb because it's all about, I mean, it just ties into what he believes in and everything. And you would know exactly who I'm talking about if I told you the name okay? So I can't do that right now. But that's like people, I tell them they're going to do They go, you're nuts. How are you going to get that? I go, so you know my buddy, John Rulin? Yes. I love John. Yeah. John's a great guy. So he says, "Chef, you want to get noticed? Send him a $1,000 set of steak knives with his name engraved on it. And on each of the knife is a famous quote that he has from one of his movies, okay? That, and put it in this box, this massive box that's $2,000 just for the box. And when he opens it up, he sees the knives, but there's a video player in there, and it starts playing. Hey, how you doing? It's Shep. And if you've opened this box, well, I've already accomplished part of what I wanted, which is to get you to notice me. <laughs> you know, so And that's going a little bit bananas. I just got a shirt, a gift from a friend. I like to bike, and he sent me a cyclist shirt, and it says, be, B-E-E-E-E-E, amazing. Because, you know, be amazing is our mantra, always be amazing. So I said, oh this is a cool idea. I'm going to have B and out of the B E, I'm going to have a little B pop out and buzz around and add E. And then there's a balloon and it it's a stinger and it pops the balloon and it goes, be amazing. Okay. And so I went to my video person here, Jessalyn, and I said, I want to create that. And she goes, really? And it's got to be like three or four seconds. It's going to be what happens at the end of every one of my videos mm-hmm. from this point forward. And uh, so I mean, I just
0: think of these creative things. So just just, for you, it means, you know, pushing yourself out of comfort zone and doing things a little crazy.
1: Yeah, the fact that who would have ever thought I'd be doing a video or more than one video every single week. I mean, I now have a studio because we've blown this thing out to the right way, you know? I love it. Final question here, Jeff. What makes someone unforgettable? It's not just the experience. It's how someone treats someone else to make them feel as if they're the most important person ever. I can't remember the exact quote and I wish I could, but it's like, why do you stay with him? Because when I'm with him, he makes me feel like I'm the most important person in the world to him. Mm. And when you make people feel like you're important to them, not necessarily the most important person in the world, when you make people important. I mean, that's part of the whole thing. Make them feel special Mm. and appreciated. So
0: I love it. I think it's so simple, but it's so hard in the sense that if you were able to do that, that really is the future of customer experience. No matter what's happened in 2020, everything else, make people feel important, personalize their experience, be there for them, be convenient, go a little crazy bananas, do things a little yeah. differently to get their attention. And as you said, the discipline of your personal habits, keep showing up every day, being consistent. And Shep, you've done that for me, my friend. And I can't thank you enough for jamming and having some fun again as the only so far return guest to business done differently. Well, I'm honest. I want to have you back on my show. <laughs> the amazing business radio, man. I loved
1: it. Yeah, I want to do that. I think we have to do it. Excellent. Well, Chef, thank you so much for being with us, man.
0: All right. A pleasure. Can't wait for the next time. I'll be a 3 p.. <laughs> hear you. Thank you for listening to Business Done Differently, where we believe that challenging the status quo, creating fans first, and changing the game is the best way to grow your business. For more information about the guest and topics covered in this episode, visit findyouryellowtux.com or shoot me a note at jesse at findyouryellowtux.com. Until next time, stop standing still, start standing out.